0: Let's open our Bibles to the book of Colossians. Like I uh, promised you a little while back, we're going to go back and forth between the minor prophets and, and these epistles here. And uh, we're going to start Colossians today. And uh, I've never studied through the book of Colossians before, so it's kind of exciting to do something new. And uh, Colossians is one of the what's called the prison epistles. Do you know why they call them the prison epistles? Why? Because he wrote them from prison, right. Paul wrote about four, uh, and some actually would say five, four during this particular time in prison. Um, Ephesians, Philippians, which we read and studied, and uh, Colossians and Philemon, and uh, while he was in this imprisonment. And then his last imprisonment, he wrote 2 Timothy, just before he was going to be killed for his faith. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. Paul says, An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful uh, brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Have any of you ever been to Colossae? Of course not. Say, what? Do you know where it is? It's, uh, it's actually in uh, modern-day Turkey, uh, where the location was. But really, they, it's very difficult to find. And it turns out, in studying about this, I found out that Colossae was really a, a pretty unimportant place. And Paul, the apostle, had never been there. And the church was started by a guy named Epaphras, which we'll read about in this epistle a few times who, when Paul was preaching and teaching over in Ephesus, which was about 100 miles uh, due, that would be west, uh, he was there and he heard the gospel and it, and it appears that Epaphras, who was from Colossae, decided that he was going to go back and 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 uh, bring the truth to his hometown. That, I found that kind of interesting to think about this. Now, the, the city of, of Colossae, where Epaphras was. Let me talk about Epaphras just for one minute, though. He, he, as we'll see, Paul calls him later, You know, he calls him a faithful minister and a, and a, a dear fellow servant, but he had this call, he, he heard the gospel, and he knew that there was something about it that he had to take back to his hometown. Perhaps he felt God's call in his life that he had to go back there. And bring the truth that he had heard from Paul and his life was changed and turned around. He had to go back to his hometown. It made me think about the in the Gospels where the man who, who had been demon-possessed in Mark chapter 5, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, you remember Jesus delivered this man. It says, as he was getting into the boat that this man begged to go with Jesus. And Jesus told him this. He says, It says, Jesus didn't let him go with him. No, you can't come with me. He, says, he said this, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis, the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. He didn't just stop at his home. And he says, all the people were amazed. There's something about that, and I was struck by this thought about Epaphras, that he went back to his hometown, to his family. This man that was demon-possessed, Jesus said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. You and I have some pretty pretty serious mission fields, don't we? In our families, but, but often we're just kind of afraid, we're kind of fearful, we're uh, you know, we think that we don't have anything to say. But Jesus said to this man, I mean, this man did not, had not gone to Bible college, right? He was like living among tombs kind of thing and just like insane. And God delivered him. Jesus did a work in his life and immediately he was, he was to, to tell them. He, he didn't have a Bible college diploma or anything like that. So he went away and he began to tell. Epaphras, who was from Colossae, the city that was really kind of unimportant, he said, you know what, i got to go back. My family's there. My, f- my friends are there. The people I know are there. We're, we, are all, we all have a mission field in our families. Uh, I got a phone call from my mother um, about two weeks ago and she said that she had gotten a letter from my nephew, my, one of my brother's sons, and he's in prison. He's in a federal prison. He was involved in one of these uh, medical marijuana kind of units, and, and they gave him 37 months. So it I, I sounds like he's kind of involved, more involved than just working there. He says that's what happened, but 37 months is a long time for just working there. But she wrote him a letter, and and she uh, said, "Listen, I, you know, I'll send you the letter. But he wants your address, and he wants to write to you." And I said, "That's fine." And, and there's a mission field there. But I got the letter a couple of days ago, and the letter says, "You know, he's in he's in jail, and he's studying the Bible, and he's learning how to play guitar, and and stu- something is going on there." Now, is it just a jailhouse conversion? I don't know, but I know that that there's an open door there. To 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 write to this young man and uh, in actual fact um, when he was born uh, my, my folks or my mom anyways from Greek, Greek Orthodox Church you know and they would christen the babies right when they're born and like so he was christened his name is Jonathan and Jonathan was christened and, and my brother asked me to be like the god parent kind of thing right and uh, so we got to the church and and uh, the Greek Orthodox guy found out that priest he found out that I was not Greek Orthodox <laughs> didn't matter if I was a Christian or what I was you know teaching the Bible or whatever and so he said oh no we, we can't do this no we can't do this and and then my mom went in the some back room with him and then a few minutes later they came out and everything was fine so uh, I think I think she gave him a talking to or something. I don't know. She can be kind of persuasive. And uh, so so what I'm the point of it is that that in your family, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be this this young man's godparent. Well, I've been you know over here on the the East Coast for all these years, but maybe now this this thing is going to happen that that should have been happening, and and maybe that I was neglectful in. The city of Colossae, getting back to that, the city of Colossae, someone said, David Guzik said that it was probably the smallest and the least important city that Paul ever wrote to. He says, it might surprise us that Paul would turn his attention to the Christians in Colossae at a time when he had so many other concerns, yet he apparently thought the situation was important enough for his attention. This was a tiny little place. Unimportant. Hardly anybody would know about it today. You can't even find it. As a matter of fact, another uh, man writes this. He says that this city, Colossae, perished by an earthquake a short time after the date of this epistle. It's mentioned by a few different people. And this is in the 60s or so A.D. So it got destroyed by an earthquake that didn't even exist anymore. But yet, Paul the Apostle felt like he, he needed to take time out and write a letter. And, and this is an incredible letter, as if you read it and you study it. He takes the time to write this letter to them. Why? Why did he feel that it was so important? And, and this is the answer, is, is because of the truth. And Paul believed he needed to contend for the truth. You see, error was creeping into that church there in this fellowship back in Colossae. He would never been there, but he knew about it. And error was creeping in there, and, and, and to Paul, that was, that was really important. Truth, the truth of God's Word, the truth of who Jesus Christ is was, was absolutely important. One more thought about, about this being unimportant, though, is that You know, sometimes you and I, we think we're we're just unimportant. We think we really don't matter much in the the big scheme of things. But the fact of the matter is, and maybe our fellowship, well, our, our little fellowship isn't all that important, but the fact of the matter is God cares about each one of us incredibly. He cares about our fellowship incredibly, and He cares about the truth. He cares about the truth. And so we now have a record of this. Letter that Paul wrote to this unimportant place because of the truth, the importance of the truth. What was going on there in this area? And again, this is kind of background for us to have a kind of picture, a kind of a, a grip. So when we hear the word Colossians, we're kind of kind of know it's that little city, it's that little town, that unimportant place that Paul the apostle wrote this incredible letter to because there was error there. There was there was stuff kind of coming into the church. There was there was quite a few different errors, actually. But the biggest one, the biggest issue was really this that that they were taking and mixing all kinds of things together. Not just Christianity, but they were taking all kinds of other stuff and mixing it all together and coming up with this weird mixture. They'd add a little ceremony. You know, if you've got to follow the ceremonies, they add a little bit of angel worship a little philosophy, a little human wisdom, a little secret knowledge. And you kind of make up your own religion. Does that sound a little familiar? You just kind of throw it all in together and mix it up and, and you know whatever kind of you know, thing you want to come up with. The, the technical term is syncretism. And the definition of that is the combination of different forms of belief or practice. When you kind of co- combine all these different things and and, and and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. There are, are places around the world you can go and that's kind of like the, the, the thing that is so obvious. Where they'll mix voodoo and a form of Catholicism. Or, or Santeria is a, 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 an example where they mix different pagan systems with uh, catholicism and they come up with these really weird mixtures you say well we would never do that oh wouldn't we i wonder today it's a, it's raging we you know we we're, we're kind of like we we study the bible and we, we try to stay right in the word and on the on the truth of what the word says but but all around us there are churches that are bringing in all kinds of strange and and crazy things Churches setting up little places with candles and pictures and and maybe incense, or you know, adding a little bit of you know uh, Eastern thought and Eastern practices and maybe a little yoga down in the in the basement uh, and maybe a little bit of of this kind of philosophy over here, maybe a little bit of the world. It's okay. We, we mix up, you know, I'm going to make my own brand of Christianity and, and it's okay if I do this and this and this and mix it with this and this and, and I've come up with this own thing that, that it really kind of works for me. Oh. Whatever works for me, add a little astrology. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you are like checking the newspaper or are your online astrology guide or Scorpio and tells me what I'm going to do today, or what it's going to happen today? I don't mean to offend any of you if that's the case. Maybe throw in a little bit of evolution. Maybe a little palm reading. Whatever you want to add to make you feel good you know whatever works you know this is what paul was seeing then this is what's happening today there's nothing new under the sun today is no different than yesterday than paul's day that's why the word of god is so powerful today because it, it, the truth is is there for us today how did paul fight these falsehoods well really the number one thing about it is that he just exalted christ and he taught the supremacy of Jesus and that's really what the theme the major theme of Colossians is is that Jesus is supreme he is the one not Jesus plus how many of these cults add, you know, well, I believe in Jesus, but then I also add, I believe in the Bible, but I got also this other little book that you got to read and study and, and learn. And, and maybe all this, you got to add all this, this other thing too and this, this little practice here and, and add all these things into it. No, it's, a, it's the simple faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, that he did it for us. David Guzik, again, he said, whatever the problem was precisely, Paul... Dwelt on the solution, a better understanding of Jesus. He said, knowing the real Jesus helps us to stay away from the counterfeit, no matter how it comes packaged. No matter how it comes packaged, the real Jesus, focus on Him, who He is. So Paul would teach the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, and and the Bible is so clear, there's, there's many verses about not adding to the truth that's found there. He teaches here the truth and the nature of Jesus, that, that Jesus is the Savior, that He is the Christ, the Messiah, the answer, that's what that word means, the one that fulfills, the only fulfillment, that He is the only way, the only one we need. The Bible says that over and over and over again. The world tells us, you know, there are many ways. You know, Jesus is cool, but I also got this. And we kind of like get it all together and it's cool. And Jesus said, no, that's not cool. He says, there's one way. It's me, it's Jesus. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He said that, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's no other name, no other way, no other avenue, no other mixture. Jesus is enough. That's the theme of Colossians. Jesus is enough that he paid it all. I want to read to you this quote I found because it, it, it's kind of cool. It kind of sums up some of the things that Paul teaches here about Christ in the Uh, in this book of Colossians. This is from the ESV study Bible. And it says this, he says, Christ, the object of the believer's faith, the image of the invisible God, the creator of all, the head of the church, the firstborn from among the dead, the unifier and reconciler of all things, the savior through his sufferings on the cross, the treasury of all wisdom and knowledge, the triumphant victor over sin and Satan, the exalted Lord of life and glory and the true pattern for the life of Christian faith. I think you can say amen to that. Amen. If we were in some churches, you'd be jumping up about it right now. And that'd be okay, too. That's a, that's a mouthful, but those are some of the things that he teaches here in this book about Jesus. Again, he focuses on who Jesus is. That Listen, this is where we need to focus. Let's go ahead and start reading again back in verse 1 there. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God... Paul was an apostle, he was sent by God, he was, he was called by God, and, and he's, he says he's an apostle of Christ Jesus, he uses the word Christ 26 times in these four chapters. And notice he says he was an apostle by the will of God, he didn't choose it for himself, God chose him, and God had a plan for his life. God had a purpose and, and a ministry and a service that he had for the apostle Paul, and I, and I truly believe that he has that for each one of us, that he has some measure some uh, way that he would like us to simply do something i can't tell you what that is i i can probably tell you that you're not called to be an apostle that's about as far as i can go but i can i can i can tell you that god's called put a call in your life if you belong to him and what is it and at the end of your life are you going to be able to say listen i was faithful and i did I was a good and faithful servant. I did what you wanted me to do. Or or you said, well, you know, I knew that you you had some ideas for me, but, you know, I was kind of busy. I was kind of busy, you know, working on this thing or that thing, building up this account or that account or trying to get this together or that together. Paul, he said he was an an apostle by the will of God. He was a, a servant, he says in other places, by the will of God. And he writes to these holy and faithful brothers in Christ at this unimportant place called Colossae. And he says, says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. That little phrase right there is enough to get you through the night. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. The grace, this unimportant, Deserved favor, this peace that that only can come from Him. But notice, He says it's from God, our Father. It's not. This isn't some religious thing. This isn't some religion that you follow these little things and you do these things and you you know you do these ceremonies and you do this. What do you call them? The twelve different things. What sacraments? Thank you. Someone said it. You go through all these different things. No, he says it's a relationship, and God is our Father, and we have come to this relationship with God. It's a relationship with Him. We say it over and over and over again. It's not religion. I was speaking to someone on the phone, and and, and they had this opportunity, a gal that, that we knew from from uh, many, many years ago in England. She said that she had this opportunity to speak to someone who, who didn't understand about the difference between a religion and a relationship. And she said to her, she told her about a relationship with God. She said, you know, I had never heard that before. i have never heard that before. And she'd been in church, I'm sure, many times. It's not an impersonal relation, a religion, but a relationship with God. He's our father. I know that as soon as I came to Christ he <clears throat> this is one of the most important things he was the he was the father. He was a father I never had. He was my father. He was a faithful father. He was a father that ne- even if you had a father, he was a fa- he was a father that, that, w- that went way beyond the father that you did have. Always there. His love never fails. Verse 3 says, "We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you." because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. He says, we always thank God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. It's interesting, Paul prayed for them, and again, he'd never been there. He knew about them. He probably didn't know them very well if he knew them at all. He knew that there were some issues going on there, but it says he prayed for them, and that's the first thing it says that he did for them. You don't have to to go somewhere. You don't have to know people to pray for them. But Paul knew it was powerful. And that's a great place to start to pray for people. To pray for those family members. Maybe you are just, you know, in in, you know, complete paralyzed by fear about saying anything to them. Well, you can start to pray for them. Pray for that family. You know the problems they have. Paul knew these people were having problems. You know the problems that your family members are having. You know better than anybody else. But notice it says there that we had heard. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. There was a reputation that they had. Reputation is kind of important, don't you think? What kind of reputation do I have what kind of reputation do you have? Paul had heard, and the word gets around about you and I, and and the reputation that he was getting, the 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 word he was getting about them was that they were people of faith and they were people of love. They were people of faith and they were people of love. I wonder, do people know that about us? That we have faith in Christ Jesus. That, you know. I don't know where we got this idea that it's cool to be a secret believer, to be a secret agent Christian. Well, that's not biblical, that nobody even knows that you're a Christian. Well, something is, is I don't mean we go around slamming it into people's faces, right? But, but is there something coming out of our lives? Is there something different about us or is it like nobody has a clue? They had a reputation. They, they, Paul had heard 100 miles away or uh, <clears throat> wherever he was at the time he was writing this. Actually, he was in Rome writing this. I don't know how far away that would be from Rome to Colossae, which you don't know where that is, so you can't figure this out anyway. So <laughs> Far away, right? But he had heard. What have they heard in the other room about you? What have they heard in the other office about you and me? Oh, that guy, he's rich. He's like a harsh. He's like, he's not very nice. He, he's worrying all the time. I know he's a pastor, but he's like really... <laughs> Something about having faith in Jesus Christ. It's, gotta, it's like in us, it's got to come out. That's what we studied in, in Philippians, you know, that work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What's inside got to come out. You know, the tragedies and the things that we find around us, you know, we say, listen, I'll pray for you. Uh, maybe that's all you can say. There was a gal here. And probably just because this is a church, but you know they have to test different things here every year in the water, pipes and all that. And she comes in and, and she says, uh, okay, I'm here to tell you. I say, yeah, it's good to see you again. She comes every year and I said, okay, you know, we fixed it last year and I hope it's still going to be good this year. And she says, well, I'll say a prayer while, we're over, while I'm over there checking it. And I said, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> and so she came back and she said, Oh, it's all good, and she goes, "Oh, but I forgot to say the prayer." <laughs> oh so, well. So I took her aside and started preaching to her, and no, I didn't. But, you know, it's just these little these little connections you have with people, just about about you know that there's more than just this life. They had a reputation. These unimportant people in this unimportant place, but they had a reputation that they had faith in Jesus. They had love. God was in their lives. God is love. Notice he said it was for all the saints, though. They didn't just care about their own little group. and It was like they cared about people in in all sorts of other places. Look at verse 5. He says, The faith and the love that spring... From the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. See the little triad there? The trinity of the faith, love, and hope. That's the thing that gets repeated in the Bible often. Faith, hope, and love. First Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Faith, love, and hope. He says, because we have this hope, this faith, this trust, this love comes springing up out of it because of what God has done for us, because what God is preparing for us, because what He's secured for us that's kept safe in heaven for us. Notice, though, he begins to talk about the gospel, and, and uh, let's read uh, verses 6 through 8, the last verses we'll look at today. He says, That has come to you, the gospel, and all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. A few things I want to finish with. We're going to have a time of prayer and we're going to have a time of communion and uh, But uh, uh, one commentator, Barkley, pointed out some pretty cool stuff about this gospel here. And again, we're talking about the truth, and Paul wants, to, wants them to know the truth and to be focused on the truth, the truth of Jesus. But this word gospel means what? Good news, of course, we know that. But look at some of the stuff he brings out here in, in this uh, short section about the gospel. Number one... In the last part of verse 5, what does he say about it? He says it's the word of truth. The word of truth. And again, it's it's so very important that that we stick to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We say that, you know, in in what, a courtroom. But it it, it should be true in the Bible, in the church as well. We're just going to stick to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This gospel, the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Savior, it's come to the world. Second thing there found in verse 6, the first part is that this gospel is going out. He says the gospel that has come to you. The gospel went to them. We can't always expect that you know, God's going to bring the people to us, God's going to bring you know, people who need to hear the gospel to us, but, but there are people out there that, that, that we normally go to. And then there are times when we put together mission trips and, and, and different outreaches where we want to go out and be and bring the word of truth. Notice the, the third thing he says there, it's all over the world, this gospel, all over the world. How many of you have never left Rhode Island? How many of you have never left New England? Man, you guys are really amazing. How many of you have never left the country? A few of you. This gospel is for all the world. Not just for us here in North Kingstown or Rhode Island or New England, but but it spreads, it goes out. And since the, since the early days, these first days of the church back in 60 A.D. or so, uh, when this letter was written, here we are, 2012, so many you know, thousands, almost 2,000 years later, still studying the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So many have come thinking they were going to stop it. We're well, just going to stamp it out. We're going to do away with the gospel. We're going to get rid of that Jesus figure. And all they have done is made it go further. Look at verse 6, the third part there. It says this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. It's bearing fruit and growing. And, and, and that's what the gospel does. This, this word of truth, the gospel, this this truth about Jesus Christ, that it's growing and it's bearing fruit. and And the number of Christians in the world, is growing. Now, just because we don't see it growing necessarily here in, in Rhode Island, it's not necessarily, we don't see this revival in many parts of the world. We had, you know, John Beers here talking about the fact that in India, it, you know, the, the, the population of Christians is exploding. Many of it through the, the, those Bridge of Hope children's centers that he talked to us about. You remember that? And, and, and in places like China... Where it's almost uh, one out of every ten people are Christians now in China. This communist country where they were going to stamp out the gospel. They thought they were going to stop it. It's growing incredibly. I heard a guy talking uh, uh, last week at the Cannon Worship, and he was talking about all the different places where the, the gospel is just growing and spreading. You and I are a part of that. How about the last part in verse 6 there? He says it's a... He says it's, since you heard it, since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. God's grace in all its truth. It's a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of truth. And the last thing I want to point out here is... uh, is verse 7. He says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. In other words, it went from one person to another person. You learned it from Epaphras. Where did I learn about Jesus? I didn't see like the plane riding in the sky. Someone told me, a friend of mine, a family friend. You know, he um, had been having serious issues in his marriage and, and Jesus he, he, someone told him, and his life was turned around. And and he, you know, he was like a big brother kind of figure in my life. And he and he came and he said, you know what I? And he was very gentle about it. He says, I, there's a place I, you know, maybe you want to go with me as a church. They do a lot of music. I know you like music. He says, uh, they talk about Jesus there. I don't remember much else about what he said. It's a long time ago, but. But he he was just available. He just, you know, one person to another person. The gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ and who he is. No need to mix another whole load of junk in. Let's go ahead and uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Read some verses there before we uh, take some time to pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It didn't only happen in Colossae, but in other places as well. Chapter 11, verse 2. He says, I, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid... That just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Not a good thing, right? He said you would be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ, to Jesus. I hope, as we study the book of Colossians, that you, you, you kind of get keyed in that, you know what? I got I to keep my eyes and ears open. I got to beware. I got to watch out. I'm not going to put up like these people were doing, they, they were putting up, someone came along and says, oh, we, we got this whole new idea that if we all start laughing together, you know, it's, it's going to be great and we're going to grow in the faith. Any of you heard of that one? What happened to that? Uh, they're not laughing anymore. I like to laugh. Don't misunderstand me. Oh, well, if we just, you know, we start to do this and we, we, you know, we get this going and that going. No, we need to stay with our pure and sincere devotion to Jesus Christ. The author and the finisher of our faith. The truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Full of grace and truth. That's what's important, the truth of Jesus. That's what counts. Say, Pastor, what's the point of all this? The point is Jesus. There's no other point. Point is watch out, beware, because Jesus. He, he says here the serpent somehow involved in this in deception and weird stuff, weird doctrine. Some of it looks good too. It's packaged real nice. Jesus said, Come to me, all you that labor that you're weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. That's all I can say. Come to Jesus. That's what we need to do. Keep our hearts pure and sincere before him and that devotion to him.